This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukrainian forces continue to make significant headway in counteroffensives in the east and south of the country, retaking territories in regions which Russia illegally declared as its own last week. In the east, Ukrainian military vehicles were reported moving in the direction of Lysychansk, an occupied city in the Luhansk region. Ukrainian troops also made rapid gains in the southern province of Kherson, where their advances could possibly entrap 20,000 Russian soldiers on the west bank of the Dnieper River. Shares of Twitter surged by more than 20% on the news that Elon Musk will go ahead with his takeover of the social media company. Mr. Musk has offered to pay the price he initially agreed of $54.20 a share. For months, he had tried to renege on his purchase agreement, resulting in a legal dispute with Twitter that was expected to go to trial later this month. Donald Trump asked the Supreme Court to intervene in the Justice Department's investigation into his possible mishandling of classified documents. America's former president is seeking the reversal of a lower court ruling that gave federal authorities immediate access to classified material seized from his Florida estate. He would like an independent arbiter to review them since he claims they are covered by executive privilege. The Nobel Prize for Physics was awarded to Alain Ospey, John Clauser, and Anton Zeilinger for their work on entangled photons and quantum information science. Their experiments examined particles that behave like a single unit even when separated, paving the way for advances in quantum information. Up to 80% of Bangladesh's territory was left without power after the national grid faltered under excess demand. The country has suffered regular power cuts this year because of shortages in natural gas, which accounts for some 75% of the country's generation. Power demand in Bangladesh has been driven by fast-expanding residential developments. Mr. Trump sued CNN for defamation, claiming over $475 million in damages, according to a district court filing in Florida. The suit alleges that the news organization smeared Mr. Trump with increasingly, quote, defamatory labels, including comparisons to Adolf Hitler, the Nazi dictator. The move comes amid Mr. Trump's own legal problems at both federal and state levels. Stocks in Asia and Europe rallied, continuing a trend seen in the American markets as expectations rose that central banks might ease the pace of interest rate rises in response to an economic slowdown. Australia's central bank raised interest rates by a quarter of a percentage point, which was smaller than analysts had expected, but still pushed the policy rate to its highest in more than nine years. And fact of the day, 5.5 million the number of internal refugees in the Democratic Republic of Congo, a number second only to Syria. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Tightening the world's oil spigots. OPEC, which controls almost a third of world oil output, is shaping up for its biggest monthly cut to production targets since the start of the pandemic in 2020. On Wednesday, the cartel's members and allies, including Russia, will meet in Vienna. Traders expect the group to slash daily production by more than 1 million barrels, or roughly 1% of global supplies. The group is worried about falling demand. Expensive energy has led to cuts in consumption, 
China's COVID and property woes and rising interest rates around the world augur global recession, and the strong dollar, in which oil prices are denominated, makes the black stuff harder to afford outside of America. Whether the actual supply of oil declines will depend on who is supposed to reduce their output. Already, most of OPEC oil producers pump less oil than their targets suggest they should. But markets are betting on OPEC's resolve. Since late September, when rumors of cuts began swirling, the price of oil has jumped by 10%. Picking up the bill for Ian. Natural disasters force politicians of all stripes to spend big. Cue the about-face of Ron DeSantis, Florida's Republican governor. In 2013, Mr. DeSantis voted against a federal relief package after Hurricane Sandy walloped the Democratic-run states of New Jersey and New York. But now, amid the wreckage of Hurricane Ian, he needs all the federal aid he can get. Around 100 Floridians have died, and insured losses could reach $57 billion, making Ian the second costliest hurricane in American history, after Hurricane Katrina in 2005. So Mr. DeSantis will have to play nice with President Joe Biden when he visits Florida on Wednesday. Hurricanes are getting more expensive owing to population growth and increased severity from climate change. The federal government pays 70% of disaster relief, from flood insurance claims to road repairs. But that is just the initial cost. Welfare transfers, such as unemployment and medical benefits, to hurricane-hit counties can far surpass immediate disaster payments. Russia on the back foot in Kherson Ukraine's army continues to make stunning progress. In the eastern Donetsk region, last week it took Liman, a transport hub on strategic high ground. And in the neighboring Luhansk region, it is bearing down on weak Russian defensive lines near the towns of Kremina and Svatove. So soon after Russia's cynical attempt to formalize its theft of Donetsk and Luhansk and two other provinces, the losses are embarrassing for Vladimir Putin. Now in the southern province of Kherson, Ukraine is mounting an offensive of greater significance. Russia's occupation of the region in the early weeks of the war gave it a land bridge to Crimea, a peninsula it illegally annexed in 2014. Ukrainian forces are moving rapidly along the west bank of the Dnieper River. After Ukrainian troops made a 20-kilometer push towards the town of Dudchani, Russian troops, fearing encirclement, fell back to more defensible positions. With morale and supply lines under pressure, it may be only the start of a more general retreat. Voting Rights in America Twice in the past decade, the Supreme Court has weakened the Voting Rights Act, a law passed in 1965 to address racial discrimination in America's elections. On Tuesday, the justices heard oral arguments in a case that could take a third bite out of the landmark civil rights statute. Merrill v. Milligan asks whether Alabama's congressional map is racially discriminatory. 
About 27% of Alabamians are black. But only one of the state's seven House districts is home to a majority of black residents. The Supreme Court is reviewing whether a lower court was right to tell Alabama's legislature to redraw the map with a second-majority black district. The six conservative justices seem averse to race consciousness measures combating discrimination. But Katanji Brown Jackson, the newest justice, led a spirited defense of the lower court's move. The framers designed the 14th Amendment, she said, to make people who had less opportunity equal to white citizens. A decision is expected next year. Mr. Bond, Amazon has been expecting you. For 60 years, the super spy has entertained cinema audiences. On Wednesday, all 25 James Bond films from Dr. No, 1962, to No Time to Die, 2021, will be made available to watch at home, too, on Amazon's Prime Video streaming service. But fans and Amazon executives wonder how long they have to wait for the next installment. Amazon won the rights to Bond in March with its $8.5 billion acquisition of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, MGM, the 98-year-old studio behind the movies. Prime Video needs fresh content, and Amazon hopes to milk the Bond franchise for sequels and spin-offs. But creative control lies with the descendants of Bond's first producer, Albert Cubby Broccoli, and they seem to be in no hurry to make the next movie. After Daniel Craig quit the role, no actor has been chosen as his replacement, making a new film unlikely before 2025. Amazon will need to wait for its troubleshooter a little longer. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home, city, and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Wednesday. Which hit musical is based on the songs of ABBA? Tuesday. Which opera concerns the attempts of Susanna, a maid, to escape the romantic attentions of her employer, Count Almaviva? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Fred Shuttlesworth, who died on this day in 2011. You have to be prepared to die before you can be prepared to live. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.